Welcome to a Trucker's Mind Podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy K Fings. We're back, man. Episode 162. Yes, sir. All right, let's get right into it. Mm-hmm. Recently, OJ Simpson just gave LeBron James some constructive criticism. He just took a stab at LeBron. I'm dead. <laughs> I didn't even mean to say that, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead. Oh man. Yeah. Right, what a way to start the podcast. All right. All right OJ Simpson hits LeBron James. Um, for Ohio cop tweet slams media for betraying edited versions of the story. All right. Uh, OJ Simpson took us to social media Thursday uh, to address the controversy surrounding NBA star LeBron James for his tweet targeting an Ohio police officer and slammed the media for showing edited versions of the shooting that resulted in the death of 16 year old Micaiah Bryant Simpson posted in a nearly two minute long video to his Twitter where he began to saying that, while he is a fan of the Los Angeles Lakers star and admires the work he does uh, to advocate against social just injustices, he believes James spoke prematurely on Tuesday's officer shooting and uh, officer involved shooting. You can't fight every battle. You got to pick your battle. Simpson said it's a war that must be fought. But sometimes you need to take your time to be a little more patient before you comment on something of these bad, bad incidents that are happening with police departments. This one, LeBron should have waited. Okay. In regards to OJ Simpson, you know, this is the moment where, you know, it's about the message. It's about the message, not the messenger. Mm -hmm. Right. And I would, I mean, hey, I'm with OJ on this one. I'm with OJ on this one because LeBron took the tweet down. Right. And he took it down for a reason. He, he, He came out later saying he took it down for, you know, because it's divisive and division, this and that. And it's like, dog, stop lying. LeBron took it down because he was wrong. He was wrong, man. Yeah. And, and the thing about it is this. It's like, dog, that girl that got shot by the cop, that wasn't a Black Lives Matter situation. That wasn't like, like I stand behind the Tamir Rices. I stand behind George Floyd. But Bought I can't. Them jeans. Yeah, but yeah. Bought them jeans. Like, I stand behind them. But I can't stand for a 16-year-old girl trying to kill somebody, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, trying to literally take a knife to someone's throat And Mm -hmm. you also have to admit that the police have a difficult job because in that moment, the cop had to take a life to save a life. Yeah. Right. So it's like, yo, rather take the life of a person that's trying to kill someone else. Right. It's trying to inflict bodily harm on someone. Mm -hmm. He had to meet force with force. Mm -hmm. So this is a point for the Blue Lives Matter people. You know, like it's sometimes where where, uh, the police could do anything to somebody of color or someone else and beat them down and stab them or not stab, beat them down or shoot them. And it'll be people blindly still supporting the police, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which is annoying. But at the same time, you have to be cognizant and objective enough to see that the police also have a diff- difficult job and they have to make difficult choices, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. In this case, this cop saved a life. Yeah. I mean, it sucks that one person had to die, but you also got the Charlemagnes of the world. Like, why do they always have to use excessive force when it's us? And it's like, dog. You look stupid. You, you're sacrificing your integrity, you know, just to make the cop because the cop was white. Mm-hmm. You want to make it out like he's just killing black people. Dog, the, the, the cop had to shoot the girl. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate, but fuck, that's what happened. Yeah, I think I think for me, I, I obviously what happens generally is like you 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 see the headline right be, before the um, before the video kind of circulates or makes makes its way around social media. So for me, when you when you see it, you're like, man, god dang, like another police officer shooting another black girl, and right. you know people 
we can't we can't and you see like her name posting it like say her name all these yeah, kind of things right fuck that so our natural instinct is to to go out there and be like you know you know rest in peace and you know stop killing us and all these you know these kind right. of catchphrases but then when you watch the video if you if you really looked at it objectively you would be like yo this police officer saved a girl's life right um and that that's pretty much what it is i think we talked about this earlier it's like the way that lebron james is moving now he he put himself in a position where he speaks on all these um all these uh i guess issues going on in the black community right and it's a great thing because you know we do we do need a voice out there we do need somebody with an actual platform to to speak on social injustices because he does have the power and the attention on himself to actually um, make some things move and shake. Um, the problem is you kind of box yourself in a lot of times because most of the stuff that he's talking about is their their um, very liberal ideologies, right? right. You know, especially right. when it comes to to police brutality. Right. I, I rarely see these people that are like the the very pro black lives matter movement kind of people ever say like man um such and such probably not necessarily deserve to get shot but i can understand how a police officer would shoot this person they'll just ignore it yeah they they, yeah they just kind of they just kind of go away and that's the position that lebron james has put has put himself in exactly um and I think it would almost be better served for LeBron to take an objective uh, right. standpoint a lot of times because I feel like you would do more for for our people to where we can really decipher the nonsense versus the real, you know, like the real uh, the real stuff going on. And I would say, out of I don't know how many uh, police shootings or you know black people have been killed by the at the hands of a police officer. Not every single one was clear cut. You right. know, s- something like Oscar Grant, right. you know, Tamir Rice, uh, both them Gene. These are ones where it's just like, yo, anybody, black, white, brown, purple, whatever, would say like, yo, that person did not deserve to be. People aren't purple, Keith. Well, there's some niggas out there that's <laughs> certain niggas be a certain darkness. <laughs> niggas be looking like Thanos out here. <laughs> Niggas be looking like a a purple Gatorade. (laughs) Niggas be looking like grape drink out here. Niggas be looking like a G2 Gatorade. Oh, man. man. That's crazy. Yeah. But you're right, man. LeBron has worked himself into a position where he can't go against the home team. It's the same thing as like Tommy Lauren. It's the Tommy Lauren effect. Yeah. I remember it was a couple of years ago. Tommy, Tommy La- Lauren would want some black dick, but she just worked herself into this conservative box that she can't even get no black dick these days. Well, w- what I was saying is, I think <laughs> <laughs> Tommy Lauren came out a couple of years ago and basically it talked about she was pro-choice, yeah. and a lot of conservatives <clears throat> killed her for that shit. Yeah, they killed her because one of the most one of the most conservative talking points is. You know, we're pro-life. Like, we don't believe in all no that. No abortions. You know, no abortions, right? Mm-hmm. So by her doing that, she went against the home team, and she got killed by conservatives for that. Yeah. So LeBron was caught up with the home team. He couldn't go against the home team. Mm-hmm. He couldn't say, hey, you know, the cops do a difficult job. This is one case where, you know, unfortunately, he had to take a life to save a life. And, you know, my heart goes out to the family and the officer involved. Like, if he had said that, that would have rectified him taking that tweet off. 
You know, but he just took the motherfucking tweet off and did not elaborate and on made a made some excuse. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's just gonna cause division. Like, bro, like and you never want to work yourself into a position if you have a stance on something where you like you cannot invalidate what the other side is thinking all the time. Yeah, I think I think what happens too, and like I said, LeBron James is in a difficult position to where he you know, he he's he's almost people are looking to him, right. you know, to, to see what he has to say a lot of times. Um, but I think a, a good thing for LeBron and if I if I, you know, me being just a regular nigga from Bakersfield would, you know, if I have any sort of advice that I would give to LeBron, I would maybe tell him to to wait, like have, right. have a rule to where it's like, yo, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait two days, maybe to let every right. I let, first of all, you let all the information come out and then secondly you know you you have the ability to calm your heart rate because a lot of times i know we right. you know we have a, a visceral response to a lot of the the police brutality you know what i mean and you, you may be watching a video or something like that or hearing the <clears throat> just hearing the the news right. you know maybe one of the people in the locker room like yo another black you know they may just show him the headline another right. black girl got shot or something like that he might be furious um but if he just if he just waited out and calmed his nerves and, you know, just, you know, being able to articulate himself. Right. I think he would have uh, much better responses to to certain situations. And mm-hmm. I, I think one other thing, and we talked about this off air, too, is like mm-hmm. he doesn't have to he doesn't always have to respond to everything. Uh-uh. I think even even if it's a even if it's a situation to where he's like, I am knowingly biased um, but I do sometimes have some objectivity, but when I do have objectivity, I may just, I may just duck off. You know what I mean? Cause when, when there are, uh, it, it's kind of like, I liken it to like the, the, the boy who cried wolf. Right. You know what I mean? So if there's, you know, if, if we speak it, speaking about all these situations the same way in the same manner, like we can't, what we, what we do is like. And not necessarily that we're arguing with conservatives or arguing with the the Blue Lives Matter people, but if we don't have a strong argument, and like I, I keep bring I keep bringing up like Tamir Rice's of the world, right. if we don't have a strong argument argument like that, then it's it's not going to work. Like Eddie right. said, there's it's a, a couple of these events have been points for the Blue Lives Matter movement, right? And it's not really much we can say, or we can you know we can't provide much evidence, or we can't have a uh, uh, a great stance on any of these situations because right. two black people on a podcast looked at the situation was like, nah, that ain't that ain't the one. Like nope. I feel for her as a person. I wish she was. I wish she didn't have to go out like that. But that ain't that ain't the one we should nah, hang our hats on. Not at all. See, this is the problem with this. This is why it's important. You know, uh, first <laughs> of all, like in regards to me and Keith, we we do a podcast, but we're lucky to have a week to really you know, analyze and let yeah. things marinate over that week. And then we come to determination. And even if we don't agree, we've taken our time to let things settle. And the number one thing you don't want to do with this platform or any other platform is you don't want to be so reactionary. Yeah. You don't want to be posting tweets. That's why it'll be some crazy shit going on in the world. And I'll purposely not talk about it on social media. I will wait until Sunday and then release the podcast Monday to say what I need to say, because I'm not trying to go back and forth with people on social media and all that shit. But here's another thing. I think when you stand behind every black person, you're making fucking Candace Owens's point. Mm-hmm. You don't want to make her point because I don't believe it's true. But she says we're the only culture that stands behind our lowest 
like our lowest criminals. Uh, and, yeah, our mm-hmm. criminals and we stand behind them. Mm-hmm. You know, the lowest denominator. We always get behind our criminals mm-hmm. and this and that. And now you got conservatives believing that shit. And then you got LeBron tweeting this, man. Mm-hmm. Like LeBron, you cannot fucking do that. It's and not to mention this is an altercation between all black people. Right. So this one girl's life can't is not more valuable than the next person. No. Nah. But it is more valuable in the sense that one is trying to commit a crime. Exactly. You know what I mean? So Yeah, man. <clears throat> it just it just fucks me up, man. Like I, I can't get behind everybody because that means I'm sacrificing my integrity. I'm not sacrificing my integrity for nobody, whether they black, white, whoever the fuck they are. If you trying to Purple. kill yeah, purple people too. Mm-hmm. For all the Barneys out there, I got your back. <laughs> um, look, man, if you're trying to fucking, if you're trying to stab somebody and you get shot by the cops, I'm not marching for your ass. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. you will not. I'm not marching for you. I'm not hashtagging your name. None of that. That that's called natural selection. That's yeah. not called you know Black Lives Matter. Now, Tamir Rice being an innocent boy at the park getting shot by a cop. I could get behind that because that was wrong. Botham Jean sitting in his house eating ice cream and get shot for no reason. I could get behind that. You know, George Floyd getting choked out for nine motherfucking minutes. I could get behind that. Mm -hmm. But I cannot get behind this. No. Yeah. And as and as a person who who is probably one of the biggest like talking heads for the black community. Right now, the thing about it is, dog, like you kind of made yourself this, too. Like, nobody really forced you to have a voice. Same thing as Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. Nobody forced him to have a voice. But since he has a voice, it's important to be objective. Mm-hmm. You can't just, you cannot just <clears throat> say things when they support your narrative. If mm-hmm. You have more credibility from everyone when you're objective. Because mm-hmm. now they're looking at you like, oh, fuck, we can't put him in a box. I don't care. I, I guarantee you this much. I think that it's, I think people that listen to this podcast can feel comfortable, whether they're conservative, liberal, black, white, whatever you are. Because we're being objective enough to not just be like, well, they're black. The police shot them. The police should have never shoot black people because this and that. It's a lot of motherfuckers is getting shot, man. Mm-hmm. It ain't mm-hmm. just us getting shot, you know. But and I mentioned also that we get killed in the most fucked up ways. Yeah. So it's multiple <clears throat> things that are true. Mm-hmm. It ain't just true that black like that black people are getting shot. It's also true that situations like this happen where somebody trying to kill somebody with a fucking knife. Yeah. That shit is bad, man. We got to think, too, like, um, imagine if that was your daughter. There you you go. I mean, if that was your sister or whatever, if that was happening to my sister or my sibling, I would be I would be buying that cop dinner. (laughs) You save my. And I only say that because I've had an uncle die from getting stabbed. So I know how quickly these things can turn around. Um, you get punched in the lung or stabbed in the lung. You get, you know, stabbed in the neck or something. You you bleed out, and it's it's a quick it's a quick thing. But if yeah. you know, if my uncle was to be saved by a police officer that just happened to you know be pulling up and seeing it, like I would, you know, I would be uh, forever in debt to that person. So yeah, man, it's I don't know, man. It's 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 a <laughs> fucked up situation, but it's like I I pay attention to all kinds of different platforms and. I listen to the the Ben Shapiro's and the Tucker Carlson and the Hannity and all these right wing people. Yeah. And I listen to them not be objective really about shit. And then I go to MSNBC, CNN, and it's the liberal bias on there. Like mm-hmm. we ain't getting nowhere, bro. Mm-hmm. Like we're not getting anywhere with this bullshit, man. Yeah. You cannot. You we cannot continue to invalidate the opinions of of people that have different beliefs than us because some of that shit be true. 
mm-hmm. regardless of who it is. Mm-hmm. So it's just people. It's people like yo. I think I forgot who it was. Uh, I forgot who it was. But I said yo, like, would you have a conversation with Donald Trump if you could? And like, no, I don't even want to talk to him at all. I would never talk to him. And I'm thinking like, okay, I understand. But like, if you're talking about somebody, when do you want to talk to him? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's true. Yeah, yeah. So you, my thing is, is I, I'm not a fan of Donald Trump at all. But if I had the opportunity to talk to him, I would. Mm-hmm. You know, just mm-hmm. be like, yo, man, like, you know, do you realize this X and Y was going on? And actually have a, like, try to have a cordial conversation. What I realized too, um, this is not necessarily about Donald Trump, but mm-hmm. oftentimes, um, the worldly perception of people is not always the perception you get when you meet a certain person. That's a, that's fact. You know, and even you know, I think uh, some people may think they know Eddie, or some people may think they know me just based off of following me on Instagram or right. you know, listen to me on a podcast. Um, and I may not that I'm like drastically different, but I just may be a different person than you actually mm-hmm. than you actually think. So, um, and I know that happens with uh, celebrities oftentimes too. So. Yeah. And not that Don, I think Donald Trump is a good person or that he's much different than he presents. Um, there are there are people that have good things to say about him. So that's true. Mm-hmm. That's also true. Mm-hmm. See, here's the thing, man. The problem that I have with a lot of platforms is the fact that they completely invalidate what other people think and only their narrative is real. Mm-hmm. And that's not helping nobody, man. Yeah. They can't even speak on shit if they if what they say does not align with the narrative. Mm-hmm. So what they do is they take it down instead of actually facing it what it really means. Mm-hmm. Like this is LeBron ain't the only one this shit happened to. This shit happened with conservatives on them on Fox News where mm-hmm. they tweet something and then they get owned and they just delete it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, man, how about you actually respond to this shit? Yeah. Like and actually like respond a real way and say, hey, look, I was not fully informed about what I posted. This is an unfortunate situation for all involved. And people still going to eat you up for yeah. it. But you need to man up and say something. Yeah. And, and you can say and that could be a, like a learning lesson for some people. I don't know. I know, I know um, guys like Kevin Hart do a good job of kind of yeah. um, coming out afterwards and saying certain things. Like I remember um, there was a situation where. um Andrew Schultz had uh, a, uh, the name of one of his shows was the same name as yeah. Kevin Hart's. And Kevin Hart, he made a video. He's like, yo, you know, shout out to Andrew Schultz. I'm going to change the name. I was unaware of mm-hmm. such and such. And, and then he, he kind of moved on from it. So, yeah, I think it was called Inside Jokes. Yeah. And he said it was already a comedian with that. Mm-hmm. And Andrew Schultz says, like, yo, it's like fucking Kevin Hart supersedes me. He could have just kept doing whatever he wanted, mm-hmm. you know, but he he had enough integrity to not do that. So mm-hmm. that was dope. Yeah. Um, I will How say. Do you, what uh-huh. do you feel about um, Charlemagne's response? Yes, Charlemagne basically responded with, to the situation with the sixteen-year-old girl and said, "Why do they always have to use excessive force with our people?" Right. And then and DJ Envy was like, "Yo, like, like these are separate incidences." And in this case, they had to use force because she was trying to stab somebody. And Charlemagne was like, "Yeah, I, I, I hear all that, but like, why is it that they have to shoot our people four times?" And he's saying like he's seen white yeah. people get with uh, knives and they would get tasered yeah. or they would get, you know, yeah. handled differently. And in some cases it's true, but you what you got to be careful with, too, is a slippery slope because it has been white people that have been wilding out on the cops mm-hmm. and they didn't really get that same treatment. But mm-hmm. you got to realize it's the, like these are completely different situations and the media is also pushing this shit. Yeah. So you got to be careful. You got to be careful that you don't feed into everything the media is trying to show you. 
because there was also a video where there's this white dude in a hallway at a hotel and the cop was like, don't you move an inch or I'll blow your fucking head off. And the dude was scared and he barely moved and he lit him up. Yeah. Killed him for no reason. Right. Mm -hmm. So it looked like the last scene in training day. Oh my God. It was terrible. It was terrible. Mm -hmm. But look, you look dumb when you're trying to defend somebody that was trying to murder someone. Yeah, we you can't defend criminals. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to do that. Once again, I don't want to beat it over the same point, but when you do this, you making Candace Owens look right, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, Candace Owens came out and said that bullshit, and I was like, man, Candace, shut up. But here's the problem. It validates her point when LeBron is coming out without properly researching it and tweeting that shit. And then Charlemagne is like, but see, they didn't have to use that force. But here's the narrative now. If the cop doesn't shoot the girl and the girl gets stabbed, but the police, why are the police even here? They're not protecting our people. Then that's the narrative now. Yeah. So it's like, yo, it's the, the cop sometimes is a dirty job. It's a fucked up job. Mm-hmm. It's cops out here that's shooting people for no reason. And it's cops out here also having to make tough choices yeah. to take a life to save one, bro. Yeah. So it sucks, but it's reality, man. Yep. You know, if that was your daughter, how would you feel? That's what you got to really. That's what you got to. And LeBron has a daughter. So right. I know in his mind, he really he really has a different opinion. Yeah. LeBron don't got no excuse to, man. He hurt right now. He got a little more research. He had a little more time to research the shit that he tweeting. Yeah. yeah he shouldn't just be coming <laughs> out saying shit. Yeah. It's probably somebody. It probably what probably the problem is. Probably somebody that's close to him in his circle, like maybe a publicist or somebody that he talked to that's pretty smart or whatever. Mm-hmm. They probably lacked they lacked objectivity and they said, Bron, can you believe they just shot a 16 year old girl? She didn't even do nothing. And yeah. then he just went because he probably relied on that person's opinion. He went right to Twitter. Yeah, it probably happened like right after he heard it. Yeah. you. Gotta- but I, I imagine um, LeBron James and. Uh, and his son is probably at home smoking on that nugget pack. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, man. So I, I, I still got love for, for Brian, man. Mm-hmm. You know, Brian's done some great things, especially in the community with the, you know, with the schools with the school, and yeah. all of that shit, man. None of that is going to be taken away. One of yeah. the best, best basketball players ever. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. with all that being said, you still have to be cognizant of what's coming out of your mouth, and you also need to know when to shut the fuck up. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think there's a, a perfect position um, for an activist in that way, no. um, because I, I imagine Martin Luther King probably had to support some stuff that he didn't necessarily That's true. wholeheartedly believe in, and Malcolm X, and you know these guys, just because they put themselves in a position to where they was, they was at the forefront of civil rights. You know what I mean? So. Uh, it's a tough position, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, that'd be crazy. I don't know if Martin Luther King had himself in compromising positions, though. But he yeah, women in compromising positions. Oh, yeah, Martin Luther King. <laughs> I want you to twerk something for me. I want you to arch your back. <laughs> in the name of Jesus. Oh, God damn. <laughs> in the name of civil rights. <laughs> In the name of Sojourner Truth, throw that ass back one time. <laughs> I just want you to know. <laughs> See, people are gonna kill us for that. <laughs> They're gonna kill us for that, man. 
Martin Luther King is on record that he, he was cheating on his wife. That's that's known. That's where the joke comes from. Okay. Some people are like, how dare you talk bad about Martin Luther King? Martin Luther King was human. He was a, Martin Luther King was a very multifaceted man. He was a great man. He stood yeah. for great things, but Martin Luther King was getting some pussy, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he was definitely getting it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's about it. Uh switching gears. Uh Chad Johnson's parenting skills. If you're not familiar with Chad Johnson, he was a wide receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals. He played many years uh, with them. Let mm-hmm. me go ahead here. Bengals, Dolphins, Patriots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest wide receivers for sure. Mm-hmm. Hall of Fame guy. Um, <clears throat> uh, here it is. Uh, Chad Johnson made a rookie mistake of Maybe submit- Hall of Fame. Sorry to cut you off. Nah, he's definitely a Hall of Fame guy. Nah, receivers really? have a tough t- – Terrell Owens – it took him three tries to get in. Oh, that's true. And he's a top three receiver all time. Yeah, chat. Yeah, that's <clears> a good <throat> point. Yeah, he probably get in there. Yeah, potential Hall of Fame. All right, Keith, you done? Are you done? Yeah, it's a little sports talk. Are you done talking shit? <laughs> Stop cutting me off when I'm trying to talk on the podcast. <laughs> all right. Uh, Chad Johnson made a rookie mistake of submitting his parenting skills to social media for all to see on Saturday. And boy, did that backfire spectacularly. Johnson posted a text conversation with one of his daughters captioning the tweet, Parenting 101. Kids don't understand the sacrifices it takes. Uh, it takes. The text shows Johnson trying to extol the virtues, hard work, but it, unfortunately for him, he also mentioned that he included maintaining a 2.2 GPA while being a uh, star athlete in high school. So, uh, parenting skills 101 and this is what the tweet says he screenshot it says daddy yes ma'am let me know when you go to token miami uh to get more shoes i'm gonna come with you because i want to get these yeezys that they have you said you were getting a job uh i worked at mcdonald's by edison to attain extra stuff i wanted in high school she put when i finish high school i'm getting one how about get a job how about get a job and i have school and practice no, how am how I'm gonna get a job and I have school and practice to attend throughout the day? He said, I caught the bus to school, then went to football practice, caught the bus to McDonald's for a six hour shift, all while maintaining a two point two GPA and being a star athlete, right? And everybody is laughing because it said two point two. <laughs> I think what he really was trying to say was I was eligible for sports. Yeah, but I don't know if he was trying to glorify a two point two. Yeah, somebody made a perfect response. Said, That's exactly why he had a two point two GPA. All that unnecessary bullshit going on <laughs> when you're supposed to be focused on school. I've been a f a ft employee since I started college. And this shit is hell for real. Parents need to have their kids back more because earning a degree is a full-time job. Facts. See, here's the thing, man. Yeah. The, the point of you having kids, dog, and, and, and people would be like, well, Eddie, how can you, how dare can you say anything about mm-hmm. kids when you don't have kids? Like, me not having kids doesn't take me out of this conversation, okay? Um, the point You of are ha- somebody's child. Right. That's true. That's mm-hmm. facts. Mm-hmm. Right? And I'm about to go there, but mm-hmm. the only point of having kids is to see them do better than you did. Like some of the shit I've experienced in my life, man, it, it it was terrible, man. Like I like I put myself in a position, and I'm going to be in a position that if I do have kids, they won't have to worry about the shit I had to worry about. When I was in high school, right? I would especially during the summer, because during the summertime is when I had to have when I really had to work, and I worked hard. Mm-hmm. I would wake up in the morning, 
and I go to summer school for my class in the morning. It'd be like six something, right? So I'm at school in the morning. Then right after school, after my classes, I would go straight to work. And I worked at the Kern County Museum back then, and it was hard work. We was putting in like corrals and irrigation pipe and picking shit up. It was fucking crazy. Then after that, I would go home for two hours, and then I had football practice. Mm-hmm. Man, that shit was terrible, bro. Mm-hmm. I was like literally, I was on a full, I was busier than most adults when I was fucking 16. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was busy as fuck. Yeah. And it sucked, man. I was tired and shit, but I was a kid. And then, you know, once the once the football season was in full swing and we had two practices, I stopped working. But like that whole time I was busy, bro. Mm-hmm. And that took away from, you know, you know, where I could excel because my, my grades wasn't all that great. I wasn't dumb, but I could have done better had I not had to worry about money. Like, mm-hmm. and some of the shit I went through as a kid, man, it sucks. Mm-hmm. You know, getting evicted from places where we lived and, you know, having the fucking electricity cut off and all kinds of shit that was going on when you don't when you don't have resources and money and things of that nature, mm-hmm. you know, and then you get older and you have your kids. And if Let's say you're doing really well. They should not remotely have to worry about the shit you had to worry about. Mm-hmm. Having to worry about getting some getting food to eat and shit like I understand a lot of us went through some stuff. But when you have kids and you're doing well, like don't punish them or make it or make this assumption. They have to understand exactly what the fuck you went through. Yeah. Like, man, that you've you've created that convenience for them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But there's there's this is a more nuanced conversation than I'm making, but I'll get into that later. Yeah, I, I think for me, my stance on it is I don't, I don't think that <clears throat> um, I also don't think that first, I don't think that this was that serious of a conversation. Nah. I don't think that he was like, yo, go get a job at McDonald's. Um, I also don't think his daughter is uh, wanting or actually needs anything like this conversation was about her going on a trip to buy some Yeezys. Um, so. That in itself is just speaking from a place of privilege. Mm, it would be different. Yeah. You know, this conversation will be different if uh, Chad Johnson's daughter walked up to him and he was like, hey, dad, I got holes in my shoes. Um, can I go get some shoes? And he was like, no, nah, you ain't getting no shoes. You got to work for those. Like she's she probably has, you know, a bunch of shoes in her closet. But some new Yeezys came out and she was like, yo, dad, I want to go with you um, to go to go pick up some shoes whenever you go uh, when you go out there also. Um also, I think that I think that <clears throat> I agree with you on this idea that our uh, generationally we're supposed to progress. We're supposed to do right. better. We're not supposed to, you know, if if uh, you know if we struggle to get you know new cl- uh, new school clothes on the first day of school, it should be up to us as parents to you know work ourselves into a position to where when our kids are going to school um, on the first day, they got new clothes, new shoes, um, the whole nine, right? right. Um, but I also think that um, as parents, we should give we should give our kids like the essentials and anything yeah. else is, is, is surplus. You know what I mean? So it's like, obviously, you know, my child wouldn't be, um, you know, like I said, going to schools with school with 
uh, last year's shoes on or shoes that don't fit or, you know, some hand-me-down kicks or something like that, they are going to get, you know, the stuff that they need and they're not going to, you know, they're going to look good on the first day of school. But it's not necessarily my job to just be decking my son out. Um, and we talked about it also, like with Master P and his son, like he he said he didn't he didn't buy his, uh, either of his son's um, cars. cars until yeah. they went to college. Um, and that's that's his decision. I think a lot of times... Um, we can we can learn uh, as black people. We can learn a lot about money from um, I guess our white counterparts, right? Because um, a lot of billionaires, Bill Gates, um, Warren Buffetts, these guys, they speak candidly about how they're not leaving their children money. You know what mm. I mean? They they say like. A lot of they donate more of their money than they actually give to their their children and their children Mm. aren't their children aren't wanting for anything. Their children aren't homeless or anything like that. But they're not just, you know, they these are multi-billionaires. You know what I mean? They're not just like, hey, son, here's a billion for you. Hey, daughter, here's a billion for you. Here's a billion for you. They're going to give them the resource. They're going to give them the knowledge and information. But they're not just handing out like money like that. I think also. What is undervalued about being the daughter of, you know, somebody that is uh, financially uh, successful and, and, and a wealthy person is that you have so many more resources than Chad Johnson probably will, would ever have. Yeah. Like she's more I would bet on it. I would put most of my money on it. She's probably going to go to a D- division one college out of high school. She's going to have a full ride scholarship. Um, she's probably in a very, you know, decent, I don't know if she's in a private school or not, but I'm sure she's in a decent school right now. She probably lives in a, a, in a great neighborhood. All of these things are, um, luxuries of being Chad Johnson's daughter. That is much more valuable than some Yeezys. Yeah, that's true. But this is the problem I have too. more than anything, more than anything. You completely fucking discredit yourself when you publicly parent. I hate that shit. Mm. I hate it. I hate it when people post videos, this is how you're supposed to do your kids, or mm-hmm. you tweet, you go to Twitter, this is parenting one-on-one. Shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. This is a personal thing, man. Yeah. Parenting is supposed to be personal. I would never get my kid on there and say, see, I'm making him mow the yard. If he, if he wants to get some shoes, then he needs to mow the yard. Like It's almost like you're grandstanding to this audience, like, this is how you're supposed to parent. Yeah. Man, man if you don't shut the fuck up. Here, here's the problem, too. When somebody feels that entitled to this ask you for Yeezys, you've been giving them this shit this whole fucking time. You mm-hmm. can't turn around and be like, well, when I was in school, I blah, 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 blah. What about the two million fucking pairs of shoes you probably got for your daughter? That's why she felt so easy to ask you for that shit. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, yeah, multiple things are true here. But it's also true that a lot of times, especially parents in this generation, I think a lot of parents around my age, around 36 and a little older, they be fucking up, man, because mm-hmm. they it's almost like social media has influenced people my age and kids at the same time. Yeah. It'd be a nigga 36 year old doing a TikTok dance. You'd be like, nigga, if you don't sit your motherfucking ass down. <laughs> you're like, be, yeah, it's working on TikTok. Girl, it'd be dude. It's women that's 35 years old having a hot girl summer. If you don't sit your old ass down. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> it's girl, it's women out here 30 some 30 plus years old getting influenced by Meg the Stallion. Yeah. It's crazy, man. It's, yeah. it, this shit is translating into all forms of our life. It's like mm. it's infiltrating parenting and culture and mm. all kinds of shit and it's like, yo, like 
at some point, dog, like this shit is just bullshit. Like some of it is just bullshit. Like mm-hmm. the, the whole him parenting over a tweet that to me, that discredits you, man. I think I, to me, I don't have a personal problem with uh, people parenting over tweet tweets. I, it, it To me, it's all it's all your own brand. So I feel like. Me personally, my brand is, you know, consisting of podcasting and, and videos and, and music and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not that's not necessarily my thing. But there are like people that are, you know, their their whole brand is built and not necessarily Chad Johnson, but there are people out there, their whole brand is built around, you know, their family dynamic. They may have a platform where they're they're vlogging every day and they got their kids and, and yeah. stuff in the house. Um, so I can't, I can't, I don't really have, uh, an objection to how someone is, um, uh, you know, it, it, unless it's disrespectful or something like that, I don't yeah. really have a problem with it. I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I just think too many people, especially nowadays, pander to social media mm-hmm. and it's a little bit, it's a little bit uh, annoying. Like mm-hmm. you'll, you'll see a regular average person, they'll be posting a picture of their kid and the kid, even the kids get tired of all the goddamn pictures. Mommy, I don't want any more pictures, mommy. <laughs> mommy, don't want Mommy, anymore. I'm just sucking titties right now. I don't mommy, need no picture right just now. Just breastfeeding. <laughs> all of a sudden, Martin Luther King walk in the room, who in here is sucking <laughs> on some titties? <laughs> Those are some plump white titties right there. <laughs> I remember back in the day, I ain't seen titties like that since the civil rights movement. I don't know why I entered Martin Luther King into this conversation. That was crazy. Yeah, man. I think there is. I I do. What I don't like is those videos too of those um, those dads with the haircuts. Like, oh, you want to act grown? So I'm, you, then, and then they give me there a sign of George Jefferson. I'm just like, come on. Now. Yeah, the, the parents that they'll they'll publicly discipline their kids. There was a video of this girl, this lady, and she and she was like, my kid want to act up. They don't want to do their classwork. Okay, so she take a belt off and she whooped the kid, right? But it's so excessive, it's straight up abuse. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing stupid motherfuckers in the comments like, see, that's how you're supposed to discipline your kids. And she was, I'm talking about... Wap, 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 wap. And it's and it's going on for like over two minutes. Mm-hmm. Of just wap, wap. And the kid is screaming like, oh my God. And then the kid starts screaming for help. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yo, that's you you need to go to jail now. You like, that's not discipline, that's abuse. Yeah. What people <laughs> what happens too is like a lot of uh a lot of people be like, yo. And to me, I don't have a kid, so I don't know if I will whip them or not. You know, that's like some future conversations, right? But what happens too is like we we uh we have this idea that there's like the the previous generation was raised right because right. they got whoopings. Um, a lot false. of those parents be having trauma, facts, and they don't know how to communicate. And exactly, they just be like they need some anger management and some therapy at the end right. of the day. But you know that's yeah. that's I don't think there's a um I think there's a wrong way of doing things, but there's multiple right ways of uh, of parenting. Right. Um, so let's not lean into this. If you if you don't get a whooping, you're going to be a bad person. Right. I, I think like the boomers, <clears throat> the boomers fucked up. The boomers is like, well, we were smarter than you guys and we were better than you and blah, 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 blah. And now everybody's so entitled now. And blah, 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 blah. Yeah. well, here's the problem. Well, you fucked up. You, you had segregation and racism and and, yeah. and and all kinds of fucked up shit. And now the millennials have have to undo and unlearn all the dumb shit y'all was doing. Yeah, right. Your, so, old, your old ass couldn't even send a text message. Yeah, you you're smarter what, than me. Yeah, like get up out of here, man. Like, and the thing about it too is, and look, at the end of the day, 
there, there's multiple things that are true. There's a lot of things the boomers did right. You know, they were also hard workers. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, don't get it twisted and act like y'all didn't fuck up and y'all didn't have shit fucked up too. Mm-hmm. Right now, you know, you got the millennials and some of them, a lot of them got their head in their ass. A lot of them, all they do is TikTok dances. They don't even raise their fucking kids anymore. <laughs> but it's also true that we're unlearning and undoing a lot of the shit, like a lot of the residual bullshit that we're unlearning from boomers. Mm-hmm. So that's also true. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, man, I, I'm not with the I'm not with the public parenting shit, man. Mm-hmm. That girl, the, the example. Oh, this is what I was going to say. Whoopings to me, I feel like you need real you need real life reinforcements. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, after the age of 18, you get in fights or you stealing or you robbing, you doing something. They take your freedom away. So if a kid is fucking up in school and they doing stuff or they bullying people or whatever, and you and you whoop them, then that's all they. I mean, that's like that's so minor to them. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're gonna ground me for a week and then you're gonna give me a whooping. That's mm-hmm. not gonna make a kid stop doing dumb shit. Yeah. What you do is the kid do some dumb. You don't punish them, right? You don't punish them. You just like you know what? That's just ridiculous that you did that. And then when they come home, they come home to a room and nothing in that motherfucker. I'm talking about you got no TV, you got no PlayStation, and you barely got a bed. I'm going to take your bed out of your room and put an air mattress in that motherfucker. That much is solitary confinement. Yeah, so because that's the that's a real-life reinforcement. <clears throat> As an adult, where do you go when you commit crimes, Keith? To a prison. And what's sure. in a prison? Niggas. And toilets. So it's like, so you got a metal bed with a toilet in that motherfucker as an adult when you fuck up. So a per, a person getting a whooping as a kid, it's a form of a punishment. But mm. dude, it's such an old, outdated, antiquated way of parenting. People yeah. say, oh, Eddie, you don't know shit, blah, blah, blah. Another thing, too, if I can't have a conversation with a child and they respect me from having a conversation, if I got to whoop you to get respect, that's not a real parenting that's not even a that's not even a real life like that's weird. Mm-hmm. In life you have to be a good communicator. Yeah, you, you have to be to you got to talk to people. Mm-hmm. And and here's another thing too. This is the problem with a lot of parents too. When your kids get older and they hate you and you used to whoop their ass, you got to realize you're not always going to be bigger and stronger than them. Mm-hmm. They're going to get to a time where they're going to remember all that abuse and all them them ass whooping you was getting and some parents just be whooping their kids ass cuz they hate their life. Yeah, you hate your job and your life so bad, and now you look at your kid and you just mad and you want to whoop your kid just because you mad at life. Mm-hmm. That's why. I, that's why I feel like excessive ass whoopings are ridiculous. I didn't really ever get my ass whooped. Mm-hmm. I got whooped a few times and I fucked up. I deserved it when it happened. Yeah, like one is one thing I will say about my pops though is he never really whooped me. He would talk to me and I would listen mm-hmm. and. I don't know why I received it so well, but I did. Mm-hmm. And he didn't like whooping me because he got whooped way too much as a kid. Yeah. He told me one time that he uh, accidentally spilled some milk on the table and his mom whooped him for it. So you mean to tell me your dad was crying over spilled milk? No, he got his ass whooped over spilled milk. <laughs> it's fucked up. Yeah. Some people, some people that old school style of parenting is fucked up, man. Mm-hmm. It's, it's low key abuse, man. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's, I think um, there's, there's, uh, I think we have to start catering parenting towards like our children. You know yeah. what I mean? I think um, there, I, I 
probably don't think I ever needed to get a whooping. Like, I feel like if somebody actually told me, and I generally we know when we do something wrong and we right. know it's not right because there's consequence, con- consequences we suffer in the real world. Yeah. You know, as far as school, you might get suspended, you might get in school suspension, you might get you know detention or whatever the case may be, and that's generally enough to right. you know make a kid learn the lesson. Um, but you know sometimes you, you don't need to get in trouble at school and then on top of that get a, a whooping at home. You know, man, what's funny too was what's funny is I, as a little kid, I really didn't get whoopings because I was too smart. Also, mm-hmm. like I knew what to do to not get my ass whooped. Mm-hmm. But then you see your cousins is always getting in trouble, getting their ass whooped, and it'd be so funny. Yeah. And when when black people give whoopings, they talk to you while they whooping your ass. Yeah. Like I told you to never go outside with that again. <laughs> they don't use no commas, periods, or nothing. They be like. <laughs> This is one. It's a run-on sentence. It's a run-on sentence ass whooping, like, and it got a rhythm to it. They be sounding like Future when they be whooping your ass, like. <laughs> <laughs> they got the Migos flow when they whooping. You. <laughs> hey, 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 hey! In the kitchen, hey! <laughs> whooping your ass. That's funny. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's all bad, man. <laughs> I, me personally, you know, I guess I'm not considered a valuable uh, person to speak on it since I don't have kids. I just would not lean into whooping my kids' ass. They would get a stiff talking to. I would probably have to whoop their ass a few times, but they would understand that I'm not playing games. I for sure gonna whoop my kid because I've whooped my nieces. So it's, but after a certain that's, uh, I think for me it's more of like um, touching a hot stove in a sense. Right, right. Because right. like sometimes they just some of my nieces, what they would do is they they just either weren't weren't listening. And they were a little younger, like maybe like three or four. And it wasn't like I was like bullying them or anything, but yeah. it was more like 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 I I just like like I said, I liken it to touching a hot stove or touching a hot iron or something like that. Like, right. hey, this is not it's not this it. is not right, and you're also not listening to me. Like as a as a three year old, four year old, you can't even communicate with a human being the same way you can um, when you're a little bit older, right? So if you 11 years old, 12 years old. You know what I mean? I feel like communication is going to go so much further than um, like some sort of whooping. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Keep uh, keep getting whoopings. He be whooping so hard his glasses fly off. <laughs> I didn't have whoop. I didn't have glasses as a kid. <laughs> Get your ass in here now. <laughs> Keith's glasses just on the ground. <laughs> I think the funniest one of the funniest ass whoopings I ever seen was when your brother got a whooping. I was over there one day. Mm-hmm. This had to be like, oh my god, this is probably about eighteen years ago. Mm-hmm. And Gub, oh boy, Gubba got his butt whooped that day. Yeah, me and Desmond was laughing. Yeah, <laughs> niggas be having legendary whoopings. Man, that was that was like uh, that was like the the, the Rocky of ass whoopings. I am the tiger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, switching gears. Uh, okay. I don't really know how to break this one down, but recently I was scrolling through Facebook and I seen a status and I'll be, I'll leave it anonymous, but basically was saying, wow, like single, I don't listen to single people giving relationship advice or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was just a very simplistic way of explaining, you know, this, that whole scenario. Here's the deal, man. Do I think single people should give relationship advice? Yes and no. I think that the the validity or the credibility of advice comes from the information, mm-hmm. not from the person's fucking status. 
Yeah. Just because you're married doesn't mean you're going to give good advice. Mm -hmm. Like we just seen Derek Jackson, a married man, right? That was writing books for women and he couldn't even keep his own wife happy. Mm -hmm. Right. Motherfucker couldn't keep his dick in his pants. Yeah. And this is the same motherfucker handing out information. Mm -hmm. Right. But if you if you listen to this podcast, if I've ever spoke to people about something relationship based or just a conversation, it wasn't me just handing you advice. It was me giving scenarios of like, yo, like watch out for this or this doesn't sound good. Mm -hmm. But I think honestly, there's a lot of single people that they're single and a lot of it is not just because they're undesirable or they're picky. It's because they can see when people full of shit. They know what to look for. They yeah. know they know when motherfuckers about to waste their time. They know um, how hard they've worked to attain a certain level in life and how that person could bring them down. Yeah. So a lot of times it's the motherfuckers that's single that will have a good perspective. And there's also people that are married. And the thing about it, too, is kind of hard. Like, there's no real metric for a successful marriage because mm -hmm. marriage is honestly you, you think about what a marriage is. Right. Like, we're not even really built for marriage. You with the same person. You fucking the same person. Um, you see them all the time. The same tired head. You get the same tired head. You know what I'm saying? Like back when you first met her in college, she was sucking your dick like her life depended on it. Mm -hmm. And now she's sucking it like it's like a rotten banana or something. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so like a successful marriage i don't really know if there's a such thing i just think that it, something outside of the sexual attraction stuff has to drive you to be with the person because that shit wears out yeah you know you being handsome or her being sexy that shit works out it, like it wears, it wears out. out yeah yeah what's the point like if we together for 27 years you be you looking good ain't keeping me there yeah I think, um, like you said, it, it goes both ways because there are um, people can give bad advice if they're single and people can give bad advice if they're in a relationship. I, right. <laughs> uh, somebody told me one day they were like, um, I was like, hey, this is, you know, information that was passed down to me through someone else. They said, uh, don't show your, your woman you know how to cook early on in a relationship. Like keep that on the tuck because your woman going to be expecting you to cook all the time if she find out you know how to really get down in the kitchen. And to me, that's not great advice. Because, Fuck no, it's not. Because if you could cook, you should cook for your girl and, and vice you versa. Because you, you can't just begin to... Like I, to me, myself, I hate being like... I feel like when someone is taking care of you in that capacity, like it's cool, you know, sometimes. But when they're doing it all the time, it just feels like, like a... Um, like, I don't want to feel like a king in that sense. Yeah, you know what I, mean? just, like, I don't like, need that. Hey, honey, like, you want me to make your plate? And she bring you a plate all the time. Yes, daddy. What do you want, daddy? Yeah, yeah. I no, don't like I don't like feeling like that. I no. like to be uh, an equal. Right. right. Um, so that's what I mean when I say, like, sometimes somebody in a relationship can give you, you know, bad advice. Um, right. But also, you know, it's just information at the end of the day. Right. So. Um, we fought, you know, the, even the guy, uh, the promo guy, guy on, yeah. on Instagram, right? I actually don't know what he does. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know if he works for a label. Right. I know what, like, I know what he does via social, uh, social media. But I don't know if he has a successful label. I don't know if he has right. a successful artist that, you know, that are under his imprint. I don't know if he has, you know, a successful marketing company. But the information is A1. Like, yeah. it's, it's real game on there. 
Um, and if you just, you know, followed his advice, he, he primarily gives music advice, right? So um, if you just followed his advice, you would be, you would be very successful as, as a musician as, and as an artist. Um, so that's, you know, kind of giving an example of somebody. I don't, he's not necessarily like working at Def Jam or, you know, uh, uh, Atlantic Records or something like that, but the information is still A1. So that's all I said, it, it kind of goes both ways. But I think at the end of the day, um, we just got to look at the information, like not necessarily. I think your resume is important, though, because like I was I was telling Eddie, we had this. Uh, so I'm bringing this topic up a few times just because I have some ideas for Eddie later on that I've, I'm going to spring it on him during the podcast okay. live and in person. OK, <laughs> why you got to talk like that? <laughs> no, I was just playing. But uh-huh. um, so my cousin Chazanay got got married this uh, on Saturday and um they did this thing, they called it like a generational dance or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, they was like, yo, all the married couples get, I don't know what song they was playing, but they was like, all the married couples get on the dance floor um, and we're going to do this generational dance. So the the dance was going on and it was like, um, yo, if you've been la- married for less than a year, step off the dance floor. And then my cousin and her husband, they, they stepped off the dance floor, right? And it was like two years. If you've been married for less than two years, step off the dance floor. One or, you know, a couple walked off. And it was like three years and then four or five. And then it was like, they just kept, you know, people kept kind of trickling off. And then my my, my uh, cousin's dad and um, my cousin's mom were still on the dance floor, right? So they went, they went up to like 20, three or 24 years right wow. <clears throat> and they were they were still on there and um eventually he he kind of like you know paused the music he was like yo congratulations you know what i mean but for being for being married for so long and then um they handed them handed them the mic and it was like yo could you just give your uh your daughter or you know it just happened to be his daughter because they were the longest people married but could you give them some some words of words of wisdom and he was like "Ooh." You could tell, like, because mm-hmm. you know, any relationship is not—it's not all peaches nah, and cream. Uh-uh. Um, but he was just like, "Ooh," he was like, "Advice," uh, and then he kind of gathered his thoughts. And then the first thing that came out of his mouth was communication. He said, "Communication," and then he's a religious man too, so he was like, "You know, communication and keeping God first. And I say that to say, like, when you see that type of information coming from that type of relationship. Right. You know what I mean? You you kind of got to look at the entirety of the situation. Right. So the, them, they have the resume to support it. Like, you know, you've been married for so long. You got, you know, successful, you know, your children is, you, you sending them off, they're getting married and, right. you know, they successful in, in their own right. So when we look at somebody like that, the resume matches it, the aesthetic matches it. You know, they there live and in person, married, a you right. know, a loving couple and stuff like that. So- you got to lean into something like that. But the example I gave before, like, that's just some nonsense. Like, you know what I mean? So I think I think outside of the person giving the information, us as the people consuming it, we have to be able to decipher the nonsense and the real, right. the real, uh, the real good advice. Right. Because the parts of relationships and marriages that people don't mention is like I've talked about it, mm-hmm. like. <laughs> they don't mention the times they, they've broken up and got back together. Mm-hmm. People don't mention the fact that, you know, you woke up this morning and called your wife a bitch and she almost left you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't mention the fact that your wife slapped you at the grocery store in front of everybody. You know? Yeah. They don't mention all kinds of shit that goes on and relate. They don't mention that that mystery guy that kept popping up because your wife was almost about to cheat on your ass. Like, mm-hmm. 
this is the shit that fucking really goes on. Like yeah. we we love to highlight all the peaches and cream and the candy, right? But mm-hmm. the truth of the matter is, there is no real advice you can give besides, you know, because here's the thing: there there is advice that's general that you can get from people, but at the same time, bro, your relationships are tailored to two people. Yeah, only you two are gonna figure out how the fuck that shit's gonna go. <laughs> I do, I do think there's like uh, general rules of thumb that like yeah. like the communication thing. I think that's uh, like a general rule of thumb that any that can apply to anybody, but it's not right. so specific to, um, you know, anyone's uh, like relationship. It's like yeah. just overall like, hey, like this is the simplest stuff like, hey, you know, tell me how you're feeling or tell me where you're going or, you know, just just like express to me certain things that doesn't necessarily mean like, hey, uh, in your relationship, you need to have uh, sex this amount of times. You mm-hmm. need to um, cook for your wife this many days a week. You right. know what I mean? All of that yeah. stuff is like too specific to any right. sort of person's relationship. Right. But yeah. Yeah, that's like some shit, Steve Harvey. See, the problem with y'all young men is y'all need to wake up every morning and make your wife breakfast in bed. See, that's what y'all <laughs> need to be doing. Right? Welcome to Family Feud. <laughs> you young niggas ain't putting the dick down enough. Oh, that Martin Luther King? Yeah. <laughs> Man, why do we keep inserting Martin Luther King? He did not ask for this. This is not Martin Luther King's dream. <laughs> yeah, man. But I forgot where I was going. You, as soon as you, Martin Luther King, I just blanked out. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, yeah, there's, it's, there's certain shit I've heard over the years that just didn't make any sense. Yeah. And I've heard some of this shit. I've heard I've heard from married men to not get married. Yeah. They said, young man, don't you dare. Don't get married, man. You got you got kids. I'm like, no. Nah. He's like, oh, man, you smart, man. Don't don't have no kids, man. And don't don't get married, brother. Don't don't do. It. I've heard I've heard not get married more from married men than anybody. Yeah. Literally, literally. And I was just like, yo, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. They they say single people shouldn't hand out advice. I'm going to hand it out right now. This is what I'll say. The number one thing that's a deal breaker, I don't care if you're married or you're just in a relationship or you're just meeting a chick or whatever. Respect. Yeah. If a woman starts to develop a pattern of disrespecting you, leave her the fuck alone. Because that's how women operate. Women operate based on how much they respect you, right? So if a woman could get in a situation where they love you, but they don't respect you, mm-hmm. you know why I know that? You know how many women I see pop up on social media and say, like, I just really wish men would really carry their weight. You know, they got to I can't, you know, take care of a grown man or, you know, whatever the case. When a woman is openly, publicly subbing, like subliminal or speaking bad about the guy they're dating, they don't respect him. Mm-hmm. You have to be the dude that women respect or not even the person, but just um, like a generalized statement. Like, yeah, there are some men that are dating um, women, some black, let's say black men. So there's some black men that are dating white women, Mexican women, black women that don't respect black men. And mm. sometimes like, you know, is is whatever person from whatever culture we're caught up in that. And, you know, you just you're just kind of dealing with like a person that likes you, but you're like the token version of whatever. Like, you know, you'll, you'll see it casually too. Like, you know, you might be, uh, you know, it might be a, a black woman dating a Mexican, but 
you know, it'll be a a, a, a thing popping up in the news where there's a Mexican uh. shooting somebody and she like saying the, you know, some undertones of like subliminal racism or something like that. And I think that that happens a lot of times. And, you know, kind of we kind of like overlook it oftentimes. Yeah, that's, um, a, that's a whole nother conversation, too. Yeah. But, you know, I just had to throw that and in. Opened up Pandora's box with that one. <laughs> but I, I just see it. I see it so often where people are like in relationships with people that don't respect, respect their culture, the culture at all. That's facts. You can't be with a black man and not respect us. And yeah. vice versa. You can't be a black man. and You be with a Mexican woman and you cracking Mexican jokes and mm-hmm. saying fucked up shit. That's not going to work mm-hmm. out. But what I will say is this, though. The reason why I mentioned the respect thing is because that's the number one thing that will determine how women treat you. Mm-hmm. Like a woman could be with a dude and not respect him. I've seen it a million times. But you also, as a man, you need to make sure you are someone that deserves to be respected. Yeah. Don't be some dude that's underwhelming and underachieving in your life mm-hmm. and expect respect from your woman because she's not going to do it. Yeah. Period. You know how many you know how many dates I've been on where women talking about a dude and I'm like, oh, she don't respect him. Mm-hmm. Like I'm already knowing off the top. Being single long enough gives you like it gives you like laser vision on what to not do with women. Yeah. Like you know you learn what not to do a lot of times. Yeah. And I think that's the number one thing is respect. Yeah, I think I think also on the women's side, like what happens with uh, men is they lose respect for women. And I think that's a sign that women need to dip also. Like facts. I've, I've heard like, you know, people say like, like, where's she, where's she going to go? Oh, yeah. I'm taking, that's I'm taking care of I'm taking care of the bills. I'm doing this. I, you know, I could I could have a side chick. I could do whatever I want facts. to. And, you know, I'm going to apologize true. or whatever. But I, I, I'm the one that runs this that's know. true and that's facts i've seen that too where you know a, a you know a man starts making a lot of money and they feel entitled to more pussy yeah so they you know they running off doing their thing and they're like well she could leave i literally just heard i will keep this as general as possible i literally just had a conversation last night and the conversation was these two young ladies i'm not gonna even try to tie it all in but they've been married one for 10 years and one for like 14 mm-hmm. right and Basically, the conversation was they're very unhappy in their marriages. They always go into clubs and hanging out and they're fucking other guys. They cheating on their husband, mm-hmm. but they won't leave because their lifestyle is too good. Yeah. But they like oil fields or what? I don't know what the dudes do, but mm-hmm. the girls won't break up and get a divorce because the, their life will be too hard if they broke up. So they stand with the men for finances, but they running off at the club fucking dudes. Yeah, that's not crazy this is this dude this is why it's important too this is what they never talk about in in with you know the relationship gurus don't get married early Mm -hmm. don't get married at 18 Mm -hmm. i think it's that's why i talked about going through a whole phase yeah right like if you from the age of 18 to about 24 and you at college or you out in the world and you fooling around doing that by the time you settle down you realize hey you realize how not important it is to be chasing pussy and hoeing it up because mm-hmm. now you got a quality person that's in front of you. Yeah. But when you go from the age of 18 and now you like 30, <clears throat> 31 years old, right? Mm-hmm. And you got all these years with one person and you tired of them and you've outgrown the person, but you still with them. Mm-hmm. People change, people evolve. You could be standing right mm-hmm. in front of a person and they will be evolving right in front of your eyes. Yeah. You know, they're not the same 19, 20, whatever. You could be 30 and now you 40 and you a completely different motherfucker. Oh, for sure. 
I've seen that was an interesting part about taking it back to the wedding. Like, um, and I, I realized this at my uh, uncle Jamel's funeral and then at, at my uh, cousin Chasnay, her wedding, like there has been a shift in like the, the people that I deemed like the most um, biblical or the most Christian people that I know. I feel like, you know, a lot of them come from like uh, historically like dark places in a sense mm. where, you know, they may have they may have been, you know, just a person that was pretty wild as a younger person. Right. Then they found, you know, they found God, they found Christianity and they did a, almost a whole 180. Right. So they're just like, you know, uh, you know, they're making sure they in church every uh, Sunday. They you know, the music that they listen to is one way that, you know, they may not even be around certain functions if there's people smoking and drinking, et cetera. Mm. Right. And then what I've seen, like, and mind you, these people are uh, in their mid-50s now or they uh, they late 50s now, and it's been a shift in the in the way that they move. And um, I think it's just a, in a shift in a way, like, I viewed Christianity. Like, mm. I think these people almost have been allowed to let their shoulders down a little bit. Like, my uncle, whom I never visually seen drink before because he's always been, like, a person that we, you know, we deem as, like, the the kind of the yeah. godly figure right. um, in our family. He, he he took a sip. I don't think he was chugging beers, but he took a sip and he was drinking and we was playing like real uh, ratchet music and, you know, mm-hmm. gangster rap and stuff like that at the funeral. And I was like, yo, and it, 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 the reason I brought this up is because, you know, me as a, a God-fearing man, I'm like, yo, you can almost be your own version of a Christian. You know yeah. what I mean? You, the, like the relationship you have with God is your own. And a lot of people seen a guy like DMX and they like, yo, he was a, you know, you could like Charlemagne would say he kind of exudes, you know, God like, you know, uh, yeah. behavior and whatnot. He said he was anointed. Yeah. Yeah. And that, in, in as much as he had struggles with addictions and all this kind of stuff. So it was just interesting to me to to see that over the past uh, couple of weeks. Like, yo, like you can be your own version of, you know, a God fearing person. You don't have to be, you know, like you don't have to always be this perfect entity. Like right. you can be you can be a, a you know, we're all we're not no one on Earth is without sin. So we yeah. you know, we can always be. You know, yeah. So. And, you know, if you're. <clears throat> If you're like me and somebody listens to this podcast and like, oh, no, he's saying a curse word. We need to pray for him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, don't you ain't got to pray for me. I mean, if you pray for me, thank you. Mm-hmm. But just because I say curse words, I'm, I mean, that doesn't mean make you a better person than I am. Mm-hmm. You know, who I am is who I am is in my heart. Not not not, not always with my words. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, man, um, we kind of went all over the place with that. But what I will say is ultimately. The credibility of somebody giving advice is in the actual uh, things that they say, not mm-hmm. the status of the person. Mm-hmm. And if you if you think if you have that much of a simplistic way of looking at the world, then this is gonna be tough for you, man. Yeah, it's gonna be real. It's a lot of good information out there by like random people. And the thing about you know our situation too is because we have a. Um, we have a successful podcast relative to some some people. And obviously, like in, in our city, we have a pretty successful podcast. But we actually have great advice for different people doing different things, whether it's, you know, stand up comedy or, you know, some uh, some filmmaking suggestions or uh, music or whatever. But because we are just Keith and Eddie, it's like 
niggas don't want to listen to what we have to say oftentimes. Yeah, because a lot of people will discredit you because you don't have the platform of a... Like, here's the thing. Drake could come out and say some bullshit, and they'll be like, that's real, Drake. I feel you. That's real. Mm -hmm. I feel you. Mm -hmm. But we could come out and say the same thing, be like, oh, they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. People are that, like, it's weird. People are that, uh, it's not not tribal, but Mm -hmm. it's kind of like tribal, Mm -hmm. I guess you could say. It's weird. It's just very strange. Mm -hmm. All right. uh, Switching gears. Um, Recently, uh, you want to put that soundbite in there? Recently, yeah. Lil Uzi was, uh, you know, asked about, you know, I think he was asked by Fat Joe, like, how, not, not how successful we were, how did he become mm-hmm. that successful? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I remember or whatnot, but we could insert the clip right here. So, Uzi, let me ask you something. Is, 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 is it the streaming? What, what, how, how do you make a hell of money that's bigger than rap? Well, the first, the, first way, the first way I realized, all right, so when I first started making money, that was the goal. Make money. Like, okay, pump it out, pump it out. And of course it works. If they want content, they get content. But I realized that um, the way you get money is not thinking about money. The way you get money is being on time. And that's why when I came on here right now, I apologize because I was about 10 minutes late. I was supposed to be on here at least by 7.59 if this shit started at 8 o'clock. So it's about being on time. That's really how you get that money. That's how I ever got... That's how I ever got any opportunity or got to be next to anybody I wanted to be next to or people that I needed to be next to and I didn't even know I needed to be next to them. Being on time. Being on time is key. All right. What, what you take from that is it seems like it's very simple like advice or a statement, but most people don't do that. Mm-hmm. Most people don't show up on time. Mm-hmm. And you would think about like, it's it's common courtesy, but you got to think about how people view you when you show up on time. Mm-hmm. Like when they enter the room 15 minutes, let's say they enter the room 30 minutes early and mm-hmm. they see you sitting there. They like, yo, this motherfucker's different. Like this motherfucker's different. Yeah. And then after you you there 30 minutes early and then a bunch of other rappers or artists, they show up 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes late. And they keep and you don't got to say a word. They just keep watching you show up on time and they keep she- seeing you do your job. And then when it when a tough decision comes up, they know who to call on. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's important to be on time. Yeah. Now, my thing is, is if if there's like I've been late to some shit before and I just didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. I, I really didn't feel right when I walked in the room and I see a bunch of people that's already there. Mm-hmm. And then I come in late. And then when I come in through the door. Everybody got their eyes on you now. Yeah. Everybody watching you coming to that door late and they just like, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. And it doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. But when you sitting in there and you watching people come in, those extra eight, nine, 12 minutes, there could be a, let's say you showing up for class, right? Let's say you in college and you need a class real bad. You show up 15, 20 minutes early. You just sitting there. Ain't nobody really there. And you cracked a couple jokes with the, with the professor and mm-hmm. you know, you got your books and shit ready. Those extra 15, 20 minutes that you spent just being there, not kissing the professor's ass or none of that. When it come time, when you got like a set, let's say you need a B to pass that class yeah. and you got a 73, you can have an opportunity to get that B because he's seen you in that class every fucking day. Yeah. He's seen you showing up. He's mm-hmm. willing to give you that grace if that's to happen, but you'll never get that if you're the guy that's showing up 30 minutes late every fucking day. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I think I think punctuality is a thing that um, is often overlooked, especially um, when you're dealing with with other people, because you're 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 first of all, for me, I know for me, when I show up late somewhere, there's a certain level of uh, stress that comes with that. He's on like, black people time. <laughs> yeah. And then it's a run, it's a running joke. Right. Like I, I, I know for me, like um, I worked at I worked at a school and the days when I showed up late, like I, I, I it was already a stressful job because the kids were very bad. But I know for me, when I showed up, Mr. Um, Keith, <laughs> when I showed up right on time, like when or if I was even like five or so minutes late, like the day just kind of it kind of rushed, you know what I mean? Right, it was right, like, right. you know, you, you kind of showing up late, you're trying to figure everything out. You only have a certain amount of time to get prepared before the students walk in and you're just feeling like you're behind the whole day. But when I showed up, you know, like 10, 15 minutes early, I'm able to just chill. I may sit on my phone. I may not even be doing anything productive, but if I'm able to just chill and um, just kind of take my mind off of things before I had a clock in, the day just went by so much more smoother all the time. So I think that happens like in, you know, a little Uzi situation, he's showing up for an interview with Fat Joe. But I think um, if we just applied that, applied this to just any situation, whether it's a job interview, even if you're just meeting to, even if you're just linking up with your boys, like if you and your boys be like, yo, like, let's just, uh, let's watch the game or, you know, Hey, I got this idea. I wanted to run by you. And even if it's not even an in-person thing, even if it's uh, like, like in that case, it was like a zoom or Instagram live type of thing. Like, even if it's something like that, just being punctual, um, it just goes a long way. And I was telling Eddie this, um, I, Worked with uh, this dude named Trey, and he's uh, he's from Compton, and he's shout out to Trey. He's in the, he's in the music industry, and he has a relationship with Sugar Free, and um, we shot a, a music video featuring Sugar Free, and he was just giving us game, and he was telling us just different stuff about um, about Sugar Free, and he was basically saying like, "Yo, Sugar Free is obviously a legend, a legend, but um, he missed out on so many opportunities and so much money because he was not punctual. He was not very punctual. So it would always be like, yo, like, you know, obviously he got dope music. Like let's book him for a show, but he, he get booked so many times and he'll show up two hours late, three hours late, like literally missing his time slot because you know, on, on a lot of those shows, it's like, they gonna have DJ quick. Then they go on sugar free. Then they might have too short and Mm -hmm. you know, it's a whole lineup. But if, if sugar free is showing up, you know, two hours late, he done missed his whole time slot, and the DJ is probably up there just spinning, yeah. spinning records or something. His, like his that. name really going, his name really going to be Sugar Free because they're going to be doing free shows. He keep that shit up, <laughs> giving away free sugar. <laughs> <laughs> Why you bullshit? <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Nah, but it's it's um it's important, man. Regardless of what it is, mm-hmm. there's so many there's so many ways you could uh add value to what people are doing if you show that you're serious about it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're trying to do anything for yourself, let's say let's say you're a guy, you're trying to get a truck, you're trying to be an owner-op, whatever you're trying to do. And let's say, for example, they say, hey, the gate opens at this time. You could, you could look at trucks if you do this, and you're there 30 minutes early, 40 minutes early, an hour early. <clears throat> you get a chance to scope out the scene. Mm-hmm. You pull up in there, you're more well-prepared than everyone else. Mm-hmm. And it helps you out, man. Mm-hmm. But they, it just puts you in a better position. This is probably the most general and basic information. 
but it's something that could be make or break you making money. It goes a very long way. Man. If you got it, a, I'll, I'll go close ahead. with this yeah, one. Go ahead. If you got a job interview, right? Let's say you got a job interview, and you're supposed to go in at one p.m., but you there at twelve fifteen, and you like you just in your car. Mm-hmm. You're not even in the building. You just pull up to the outside of the building. You in your car twelve fifteen, and then you don't go upstairs until about or go inside the building until about. You know, twelve fifty or twelve forty five, mm-hmm. right? Just being there on time gives you this peace of mind. Yeah, like there's calm. no, there's no way I could be late to this shit. Mm-hmm. There's no way I could not be prepared. I got my pencils, I got my resume. Mm-hmm. I know what I'm gonna say. I know what I'm gonna do. But guess what happens when you late? Oh fuck, fuck! I gotta get there in five minutes. God damn it! Oh, oh where's my pencil? You oh, rushing, oh shit! You probably- Texting and oh, driving. Man. Where's my and baby? All my baby stuff. mama's calling me. Oh shit! What the <laughs> fuck? Oh, hey, oh damn it! My shirt is dirty. I got you running oh. red lights, all kind of stuff. Oh, I got a stain on my shirt. I should have got that off. Oh shit! Mm-hmm. That's what happens when you're late. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Oh, what I was gonna say. I was um when you and when you get into spaces like we're trying to go, and I've seen this happen. Um, time is money. In, yeah. in a lot of cases, like so for us, like uh, or my boy Pat, he shoots a lot of videos, music videos, and he'll book a location for like four or five hours or something like that. And a lot of times the artists be late. They'll be like, we'll have a five hour slot to shoot a music video um, that we booked and the artist will be like two hours late. So that whole five hours we planned on just shooting a bunch of different scenes and stuff like that. You got to cut out you know, half of the stuff that we wanted to shoot because the artist was late. Yeah. And that's when I mean time, you know, time, time is money at a certain standpoint. So if you're, uh, excuse me, if you're in the entertainment business, um, you, you gonna have an upper hand on a lot of people just by being on time. Yeah. Here's the thing too. A lot of times people don't like being too early because they don't like waiting around or they'll be bored. I'd rather be bored and an hour late than be late in trying to scramble to get shit together, man. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's certain times I wouldn't want to risk it, especially like with truck driving. Man, it's been times where I was glad I was early because I got a bunch of information. And by the time it was we was ready to start the job, I already had everything I needed to do and mm-hmm. I was off. And it's been a time where I've been a little bit late and I get to a certain place and they're like, hey, well, you got to get over there. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, but you got to go over there. And then it's a, a breakdown. It's like a, a breakdown of communication. I end up going to the wrong place or something mm-hmm. because I was not on time. Mm-hmm. So take this information as you will. But if you keep showing up late, even if it's to your job, if even if it's a job you fucking hate, right? Mm-hmm. If it's a job you absolutely hate, make sure you show up on time to it and make sure you get there at a good time so you could be prepared to go in. Because when you come in and you hate you hate a job so much that you show up at the last minute, now it's like you scrambling to get there and you throwing yourself right into the bullshit. Mm-hmm. If you're there a little bit early, you could you know probably have a candy bar or have a drink mm-hmm. of some water and just sit in your car for a little bit and reflect on stuff before you go into the establishment. Mm-hmm. It'll help you prepare mentally for the shit you're about to deal with. Yeah, but there's that uh, switching gears. Um, recently there was, I don't know exactly when the date was, but there was a black couple who had a complaint that they were kicked out of a restaurant because of the clothing uh, requirement. Hold on one second. Let me see if I can find it right here. Where is it at? Uh, here it is. Um, 
An Atlanta restaurant owner has apologized after a black man was kicked out for violating the dress code, even though uh, at least one of the seated customers was wearing sneakers. Right. I seen a video to this. It was a black guy. It was in there with his wife and he had some Air Force ones on. And they said that you can't wear those shoes here. And then the black guy pointed at some white lady that was sitting there and she had like some uh they she had a uh was it Adidas I think she had on or something. Mm-hmm. And I mean they looked kind of dressy but they were still Adidas <clears> or whatever and he said and they said, "Well, you know, you can't wear sneakers here." So they basically threw the black guy out, right? Mm-hmm. Um and I'll read the rest of this article before I get into it. Um the owner of Umi Sushi in Atlanta has apologized for the incident at the rest at the restaurant last week that prompted accusations of discrimination. William Johnson, a black man, who was said to have been asked to leave the restaurant on October 23rd because his Nike Air Force One sneakers violated the restaurant's dress code. A video taken by Johnson's wife, Kaylin Colbert, that captured the incident showed another woman who appeared to be white sitting in the restaurant bar while wearing tennis shoes. In the video, Johnson pointed out the woman's sneakers and accused the restaurant of being inconsistent with the enforcement of the dress code. This is pure racism, he said. She has on Adidas. All right, here's the deal. And and I know it's going to make me sound like the bad guy, but let's say you're black and you go into an establishment and you're wearing sneakers and and you know you're not supposed to be wearing them. But if you look over and you see a white lady wearing sneakers and they're telling you to leave, guess what that means? That means you need to leave. Don't yeah. ever spend your money at that fucking place. Yeah. Don't try to make every situation is not an opportunity to make this grand statement. Don't give your money to motherfuckers that are doing shit like that. Yeah. I just think regardless of who it is, like. If you feel that this establishment could be racist, just leave. Mm-hmm. You have to understand that things like racism don't just poof, go away. Like at the end of the day, you have to learn how to navigate around motherfuckers, mm-hmm. even if they were not being racist or if they were whatever. If you get in a situation where you are like having to fight and yell and scream over why you're not in. Why would you even want to spend your money there? Mm-hmm. Like it's crazy, man. And then. The, the actual owner came outside and didn't do shit but make the situation worse. Mm-hmm. So the owner fucked up, too. He should have said, hey, you know what, man? I don't normally allow sneakers in here, but I'm sorry about what happened, man. I, I just next time, can you please uh, follow the dress code? I'm sorry for the inconvenience. <laughs> Boom. It's over. But instead of that, the owner turned up. Mm-hmm. The owner was like, he's like, hey, man. He's like, don't be walking up on me. Hey, you don't know me, homeboy. Like the owner was ready to fight him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> so it was a, it was just a terrible job. That owner looked bad. He fucked his own business up, and he probably lost a lot of business by how he reacted to the customer. Yeah, you know, if the customer's mad, you have to you have to learn how to be a good communicator. You can't just, regardless, even if if you if I own an establishment and somebody is having a bad time, I'm gonna try to say, "Hey, man, I'm sorry what you're going through. Let me let's just talk about this." Actually, I got an office. You want to step into my office? We'll all have a conversation in there. Mm. I'm not going to be yelling and screaming in front of my business. Mm. And I have customers going in and out of it. Mm. So the owner fucked up and the dude, he fucked up, too, because people are going to say, why are you blaming him? You know, he's black and they were discriminating and blah, blah, blah. I don't know if they was discriminating or not. All I know is it goes back to what I said again. You never want to spend your money at a place where you have, like in a compromised position. Mm-hmm. Just fucking go somewhere else. Yeah, I, I think um, we ha- we have this problem as black people, 
And I, I think it's a little different in the civil rights era. Like, you know, you're fighting for equality. You're fighting right. to, you know, sit at certain tables and, you know, uh, not and just being able to dine in at all. You know right. what I mean? But now I think there's enough establishments and selections that we don't have to go to a place where we're not wanted. Right. Um, and I think that's to me, it's a little bit strange to fight for something um, like that. Um, when there's other, like I said, there's other establishes, establishments that are more than welcome, um, welcoming of you or, or your money. Um, I don't want to give anybody my money that disrespects me or doesn't like my culture or doesn't like me or, you know, would go as far as to disrespect me. Um, you know, like the owner coming outside and yelling at, you know, you or being disrespectful to his wife and stuff like that. Like money is, you know, it's extremely valuable and it also means more than just the dollar amount. You know what I mean? If you, if you spend your money somewhere, there's like this trust factor there, you know what I mean? You're going to, uh, you, you trust them that you're, they're going to make your food properly. You trust them that you're they're you know, uh, not going to do anything to your food, you know, on the way out. So, and you're also supporting a person's life. So I feel like for me, if I, if I am going to spend my money somewhere, I'm going to spend it more than likely in a place that just respects me. Um, and I talk about this all the, uh, not all the time. I said it a few times, but there's a, a local restaurant here, La Mina, where I, I used to work there and I haven't spent money there since I left. But basically what was happening there is, I was bouncing and they would literally change the music depending on how many black people were in there. Yeah. So if there were certain, certain black people in there, they'd be like, Hey, we're not playing any hip hop music. Um, so they would, you know, they would be playing, you know, whatever, I don't know, it was a few years ago. So whatever the current hits were, they would turn that off or it wouldn't even have to be current hits. It could be like some ice cube or some E 40 and it could be music that wasn't even like turn up or rah, rah music. It would they would just turn it off. And to me, that's just, that's disrespectful. That's a sign of disrespect to me as a person that um, is a part of that community. And I'm also working there. So, you know, it was cool when I was getting a check from them. But as far as spending money there and helping, you know, support their family, paying their rent, paying their car notes or whatever, I'm not going to do that. You know, I'm going to take my money to um, a place that uh, respects me more than that. Yeah. Didn't you say one time you had a break of a fight and you said you seemed to look like brain matter? <laughs> yeah, I think some nigga's brain was on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine getting socked that hard to where a piece of your brain come out? <laughs> like, oh, you fucking asshole. Oh. Yeah, it was that. It was an ugh. Right. And, and um, I'll say that I had never seen uh, a group of black people fight in there before. Like wow. when I, the whole time I was working in there, it was either some Mexican dudes, some white. The fight that I'm talking about with the brain matter on the ground, it was a bunch of white boys in there fighting. Oh, yeah. You said they was getting a fight over something crazy, something weird. No, I don't know why they fought. Oh. Um, yeah, I don't know why they fought. I just turned around once and it was just brains on the ground. I was like, Dang. oh, my God. That nigga IQ went down. You <laughs> <laughs> probably, if somebody be crazy, somebody get, they'd be like a genius and they get beat up so bad, they'd just be dumb. Like, see, actually, the square root of uh, eagle equals MC square. I was like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Jersey Shore, hey. <laughs> Guidos, hey, hey. <laughs> Fist pumping like champs. 
<laughs> Damn. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, man. I've seen some people get beat up so bad at the club, dude. I'm just like, yo. Like, uh-huh. I've seen people get socked and then they start getting kicked in the head while the person's down. Yeah, it'd be some. T- that's that's fight. It's, it's especially when you get to a certain age, you should not be fighting. Uh-uh. You just don't know the capabilities of person. Nah, you should be able to defend yourself, of course, but you shouldn't be trying to just de- get in random fights. Yeah, with people. so I'm trying to be a tough guy. Tough guys exist. Tough guys uh, uh, go to prison or in a gr- in a graveyard. That's where tough yeah. guys go. Yeah, I don't got to be a tough guy. I will gladly walk away from your ass. Yeah. You crazy? You got a problem? I will gladly walk the other way, sir. Yes, sir. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's that, man. I, I just feel like if you feel like you're in a situation, whether if you're a black man, whatever, you feel like somebody's being is discriminated against you, take that up with management, go to Yelp, give a Yelp review. But to sit there and argue with the person that owned the restaurant and they don't see a problem, what the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. And the only reason why that the club, I mean, that, that restaurant owner publicly apologizes because he publicly disrespected you yeah so fuck your apology i'm never going to your business again and i it, accept it but i'm not gonna spend my money where you at yeah and then it, and then the, to be honest too the the the, the dude and his wife kind of made like a spectacle of the situation too because she was out there like you're basically calling him a nigger that's what you're doing you're yeah, basically you're calling it. him a nigger I'm doing too much right in front of all the customers walking in and out doing too much so I, honestly if i'm a customer and i'm walking into a place and some dude is like you're calling my husband a nigger i'm be like hey let's go eat somewhere else yeah man. let's go down the street yeah yeah <laughs> it, it's it's bad on both sides like you know as a, as a biz, business owner you should be welcoming of everybody um, yeah you want because I mean, at the end of the day, the only color that really matters is green. You know, the, the the amount of money people are spending at your restaurant, and if they're not doing anything like outlandish as far as like twerking on the tables and stuff like that, like you know, you should be welcoming of everybody. But who who knows? Like you know what I mean? I don't I don't I don't know. I doubt that they would go in there and disrespect the dress code. It's probably something where they was just like trying to figure out a way to to get them out of there. And mm. if that's the case. Like we said, go spend your money somewhere else. Yeah, there's that. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a whole lot more uh, on this episode of a Trucker's Mind podcast. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned for the next episode oh, of Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, we don't got uh, nothing else. Anything that I miss? We were talking about um, the TikTok thing. <laughs> oh, shit. Hold on. Let me see if I got it. Hold on, dude. Is it here? Did you? you I texted it. I texted it to you. Uh, hold on. You did. Oh, okay. Kind of want to skate it around this, but we ain't got to talk about it. All right, switching switching gears. Mm -hmm. Uh, recently there was a April hashtag April twenty four. Okay, it's been circulating on. TikTok. It was originally created to encourage men to rape women on April 24th as a per- national rape day. The original video has been since taken off TikTok, but people online and in real life are understandably outraged about it. I was horrified that someone, something like this could be circulating, uh, said Sandra Miller, president Cleveland Rape Crisis Center. Um, Miller also says also April 24th has been deemed a hoax. It can still be triggering to rape victims, rape survivors, excuse me. It also hurts when other people minimize the impact of rape or somehow suggest that it's funny or something 
that we can laugh about it, said Miller. Some TikTok videos are telling women to stay home or find ways to protect themselves from being raped. Miller says, wow, that advice comes from a good place, but it won't stop rapists from hurting women. Uh, For decades, we told women to stay home, to dress a certain way, to protect themselves, and yet we have not stopped rape, said Miller. The only way that we're going to prevent rape is to stop rapists before they behave that way. I just like, I hate this fucking topic, man. Mm-hmm. I really do. I hate this fucking topic, and I hate it because it's TikTok. Like, I don't get how that would encourage people to rape. I think it's wrong to even have that type of content up because there are women are being taken advantage of. But like, man, the only thing I got to say about this, man, is the internet, man. Bad shit circulates fast. Mm-hmm. There's somebody out there that did something amazing today. And yeah. they, they created a hashtag and everything, but that shit didn't go nowhere. Yeah. This did. Yeah. That's the problem I got. Like, what the fuck, man? It was, and there was a lot of women that were triggered because I did start seeing women say, like, you know what? Don't you dare do this. Don't you. And it's just like, yo, like, it's crazy as a man to see that and see that women are affected by that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and it's like, it's a legit problem, man. Mm-hmm. It's a legit problem. Yo. I'm not going to like put a certain, I, I mean, I'm going to keep this just general. I had a woman thank me for not pressuring her into having sex. Yeah. And I was thinking like, why would she thank me for this? Yeah. And it's fucked up that it's men that really be either trying to coerce women into having sex or pressuring them into having sex or flat out raping them. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, yo, like it's, when you hear certain stuff like that, it just is really concerning. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm kind of lost for words on this. It's real fucked up. Uh, but, yo, it's just certain stuff you can't joke about. Yeah. I think I think the, 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 the thing about uh, TikTok and just uh, the internet in general is it's a very dangerous space. I think that... Um, what happens too is it's a it's a platform that's ran by a younger audience, so they don't like we talked about the the prefrontal cortex, and these are like mushy brain Ain't kids. Ain't nobody using no brain. Mushy brain kids out here trying to like just make these funny things, and they're not actually thinking about like the ramifications of no. some of the stuff that they're doing. Um, there and we come from a comedic space, so you know I can, I think we kind of walk the line off oftentimes when it comes to uh, certain subject matters and, and joking about certain things. But we also live in a world outside of comedy, and we realize like the the woman, the I think I don't know if she's a, a, a rape activist or whatever, but uh, Miller, she was she was just saying like this these are people that are really dealing with real trauma and this is something they can't erase from their they memory banks yeah. they go they have to deal with a lot of this stuff for um for a while and then also there's a trauma associated with women that haven't been raped at all right like, that are scared to you know um go for uh go for a walk around their neighborhood yeah. or go for a jog or just do certain things at certain times a day because you know they they know the possibility of somebody you know doing doing something like that to it, them yeah, it's situations where women will like a dude, but they like they're still working on being comfortable around a dude mm-hmm. because they have some form of trauma associated with the shit that some yeah. dude's been doing. Yeah, and it's like, yo, like that shit is just it really bothers me. Yeah, 
and, and the crazy part is it's not it's not even a woman thing because we had a guest on our podcast that had been raped as right, well. Yeah, and he's true. a man. So I I you know, I know he's able to talk about it now, but I'm sure something like that would probably be triggering for him because that's yeah. you know, that that's it's almost ripping your soul out of you, you know, your dignity, your manhood and stuff like that. So yeah. it's uh it's just a sick thing. I, I wish and they said the video had been taken down, but I, I just hope that like you know, we as um, a community of social media users, we we can like have a um, better uh, way of like vetting stuff that is circulating through social media. And I mean, that's us, you know, trying to have high hopes for people that are, you know, very have mushy brains. But I just I just hope like, you know, I don't think the masses actually was trying to like uh, celebrate the rape day, but it's, nah, if some, it is a handful of people and then the video circulates, whether it's bad or good, um, it still has the same impact because people are sharing it and liking it and stuff like that, or even communicating about it. It's making it more viral. So. Yeah. And the, in the whole, and the, the rape shit is real though, man. Like we, we can't just like the thing about it is men, especially men that wouldn't even think about raping women. You look at it like, yo, this is crazy. Like, it just seemed like these stories seem too far fetched or this and that. But then when you look at stories of dudes that's actually out here doing that shit, like you look at uh, Jared Hain that used to play for the 49ers. Mm -hmm. He had like a case that was in San Francisco and then he went to where I think he's from New Zealand and then he got a new case. Now he about to do 10 years. So this motherfucker oh, was this motherfucker I, was really raping. You have been telling me about this story for the longest, and it only clicked in my mind. He was legit. He was a rugby player, right? Yeah, he was a rugby yeah, player. Yeah, he only played like a he season, with, season the with the Niners. And he was balling, and too. He, and he got like a case that was in San Francisco, and then he yeah. ended up leaving San Francisco and went back uh, to rugby so or whatever. So is that part of the reason why he left? or I don't know if that's why he left, mm-hmm. but he got a whole new case. Mm-hmm. You don't just keep getting multiple rape cases, bro, because people is after you. I'm uh-huh. not I'm not pandering to the narrative, well, oh, they're just out to get him because he's an athlete. Like, motherfucker, you are putting yourself in a position where you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. Then mm-hmm. a dude from the 70s show got in trouble for a rape case. I think he going in for some years. Something Masterson, I think it's Danny Masterson yeah. or whatever his name is. The one that played Hyde. Mm-hmm. On seventy show, he doing prison time for that shit. Yeah, and multiple women too. It was multiple women for spanning from. I think it was like uh, I forget. It was ninety nine or whatever. But it was a ninety nine baby. Yeah, yeah. It's fucked up. And then uh, uh, Darren Sharper, the yeah. safety in NFL. Darren Sharper. Yeah, this motherfucker, man. This dude mm. was drugging women and raping them. Yeah, like it's really motherfuckers out here doing that, man. Yeah. It's not a it's not a skit or a comedic nah, nah, not at all. I think like like as a comedian though, there's jokes that fly that depending on the context of the joke is funny, but mm-hmm. the, the, the topic of rape is sensitive. Like it's women that can laugh at, at all kinds of jokes. They can laugh at, you know, jokes about midgets and jokes about, you know, trans people or you know, short people or people with small dicks and all these jokes but people will laugh at, but it's certain things that trigger people and the rape jokes is one of them. Yeah, I I know like and it's it's sad to say I pr- I probably I know probably a couple I won't say a couple handfuls I know a handful of people personally um you know family friends whatever that are victims of that so it's just like it's not it's not nothing to joke about because you got to think about it too like I said we all know somebody that is a victim of rape right um and just think about how if you told say say it's your um 
and says your sister that happened to be, you know, somebody that got taken advantage of. Could you tell that joke in front of her? You know what uh, I mean? Could you make that like that lame TikTok video? And I haven't even seen the video, but I'm saying like, could you make that type of um, that type of content around them and sit with them in front of their face and, you know, look at their reaction and, and be OK with that? Then if not, then it doesn't need it to be made at all. Yeah, certain stuff. Mm-hmm. I just think we live in a world where there's certain things that really trigger people too. Because mm-hmm. I know I know somebody specifically um, that uh, they they lost someone they care about due to suicide. So whenever mm-hmm. this like a suicide joke or something pops up, they'll be going. Cra- they was going crazy. Like this is not fucking funny. Stop with mm-hmm. these suicide jokes. This isn't mm-hmm. right. But it'll be something that's probably equally fucked up on the other side. That's mm-hmm. not the topic mm-hmm. of suicide it'll be like i don't even know just something that could be labeled as very offensive and they'll share it and laugh at it Mm -hmm. so i just think that multiple things are true Mm -hmm. i think that there's things that trigger people because they have a personal connection to it also Mm -hmm. so i think a person that doesn't really have a bunch of connections with people who have been raped or whatever and they tell a rape joke as a comedian they don't really see how harmful that could be to people yeah you know Mm -hmm. um, yeah i um we could switch the topic, but I was thinking, so I went to that wedding, uh, on Saturday, like I said, and, um, one of the things that, um, that was most notable for me was the fact that, um, there was at least three women there that had, uh, like butt jobs. Oh Lord. Really? Yeah. And it, it was, it was crazy to me. Like, um, and I was just kind of just looking for your like take on it, but it was crazy to me because it's it's become like more uh, more casual now, and and women are even talking about it more candidly, and they and and they know for a fact that they're they're you know they're not trying to hide it at all. You know what I mean? Uh, it's it's almost like the new boob job. You know, for a while everybody was getting like the the breast implants and stuff like that, and now like the butt job is is the new the new boob job in a sense so mm. yeah i don't got much to say on that mm. that shit just looks lumpy it doesn't look good only only <laughs> ass job i've seen that looks good is on kylie jenner that's the only one that's the only one because <laughs> uh, she has so much money she probably got the right surgeon to do it but the average joe blow woman walking around that shit looks crazy man yeah it looks like it, it doesn't even it doesn't remotely go with their legs or nothing mm-hmm. yeah i don't yeah, I don't want to go on a tangent about that. I think we'll have to close it up. Mm-hmm. I don't got much else to say, but that's mm-hmm. this topic. I don't like it's certain things we have to talk about. Mm-hmm. You know, with this, I hate talking about shit like rape, man. I mm-hmm. hate talking about shit like that. Mm-hmm. But that that shit's really going on in the world. Mm-hmm. But I've got, and I don't, I don't want to end it on that. I don't want to end the podcast on fucking rape, man. Yeah, yeah. What else is going on in the world, man? We got to end on something positive. Um, I don't know, man. Yeah, we ain't ending on rape. Hold <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, on. No. It's got to be something good going on. Oh, what's that Dodgecoin shit that's going on? Yeah, I don't know about Dogecoin. Yeah, I don't know. I, just yeah, been seeing I don't got no Dogecoin. Yeah, I don't have that either. Yeah. I think that there's a bunch of people throwing around shit about the stock market right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't even entertain the conversations because I'm not fluent enough in the language of, of 
stocks mm-hmm. to even or or whether it's Bitcoin or all of that, I don't invest my money in it. So if I don't invest my money in, in Bitcoin or whatever, I'm not in that conversation. That the the um it's very trendy too. Like that's the thing that I don't like about like investing is it's uh that they treat it like um like the Popeye's chicken sandwich. Yeah, exactly. Like, yo, I need to hop on this. Or, you know, you have people posting videos and telling other people what to do and stuff like that. Or, you know, people have some people just get lucky and they make a lot of money on certain things. And then, you know, they all of a sudden turn into a guru. So um, that's, I just I, I, I do invest um, and I invest most of my savings, actually. But it's not a trendy thing for me. Like and I, I treat it. I'm very conservative, too. Like I'm not out here like. Oh, I need to buy all the cryptocurrencies and stuff yeah. like that. All right. I'm saying here, uh, Dogecoin's major price increase. Is it a worthwhile investment? Uh, if you're bored with index funds and you're ready to roll the dice on one of those sexy and mysterious new alternative investments, you have plenty of options. One of those options involves a Japanese dog, Elon Musk, and what appears to be fake money from a toy cash register. Uh, the That's Dogecoin. Dodge. It, and it's here to rescue anyone who couldn't bear to wait one second longer for the latest next big thing, cryptocurrency that promises to out to out Bitcoin, out Bitcoin, Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. What is Dogecoin? Dogecoin is a joke, or at least it started out as as one. Two software engineers, IBM, Billy Marcus and Adobe's Jackson Palmer, created Dogecoin in 2013 to lampoon all of the out the altcoin wannabes. That popped up after Bitcoin rose to blockchain fame. As as a logo, they chose a Shibuya Inu from a meme called Dodge, which went viral that same year. So it's just like a, that that dog. You see the dog meme? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all it is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I don't really know how to really uh, comprehend all of this. I just wouldn't invest in it. It's got a dog and it says Wow on it. Yeah, it's people making money though. I know I know people personally that have. Uh, made a couple hundred dollars just from 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 Dogecoin, mm-hmm. but I, I would tell anybody like out there like just you you have the risk of losing your money. So just think about that when you're investing in into anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, uh, there's that. I got nothing else to nothing else to go on. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you made it to the end of this episode, we appreciate you. Thank you for listening to a Trucker's Mind podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy, K. Fings. Right here. Peace.